Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 265, March Gamer Madness Kickstarter Edition, rounds two and rounds three. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, Anthony, we are back with our March Gamer Madness but obviously, there's a lot more serious stuff that's going on in March that's quite a bit more than just mad these days and affecting a lot of our friends out there in uh, gaming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's almost insane how much stuff has happened since the last time we recorded. And like you guys hear this on Thursdays. And so I think by Thursday last week, we were pretty well aware of the downward slide of American society. We recorded on Monday, so it was a nice normal Monday and, you know, bad day on the stock market. But otherwise, you know, everything seemed fine. And uh, now a week later, we are both sequestered in the house, as I'm sure most of you are as well. And we just want to, I, I guess, I hope everybody's doing okay. Stay safe. Hope your family's doing okay. Um, but also, you know, it's this podcast about gaming. So we want to talk about gaming, kind of the impact that's going to have on everybody in that realm. Yeah, so no matter where you are. Uh, especially in the world, we have a lot of listeners from around the world and we want to, you know, send out all of our support and love for everyone that is uh, dealing with the situation, suffering with the situation, may even have lost someone due to this situation. And especially I'm thinking of, you know, all of our listeners in, in uh, Italy. Obviously, we're seeing some amazing videos of all the Italians coming together, supporting each other during this very difficult time. Obviously, China, the epicenter of the pandemic outbreak, and ironically, where one of our uh, good friends, uh, Daniel, you may remember him from the podcast, he moved out there to take a job at a uh, Chinese university out there, and turns out it was about four hours away from where everything kind of went down. So actually, he's doing fine as well. He's, of course bunkered in for the time being but uh i think this is true pretty much about everyone out there these days and in fact if you are not <laughs> bunkered down hopefully someplace safe please do get there immediately i've been kind of mulling around the situation i'm feeling fine and i want to get out there and i want a game and i want to 
get together with my friends, especially during this situation. And it's just something that we can't be doing right now. We really do seriously need to take into consideration the fact that even if you're healthy, even if you have the means to do so, you should really try to think about the bigger situation here. And it's going to be terrible pretty much, but you got to stay home. You got to stay safe for the greater good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, we don't have to go off on a tangent. I'm sure a lot of you have been paying attention to this, but the whole point is not whether you would get sick or how sick you would get. It's that if you get sick, you pass it on to other people. Those people end up in the medical system. The medical system can only handle so many people. And the more people it has and the less capacity uh, is available, the more people could potentially die. And, you know, we have some control over that as a society, as long as we all work together. And I think for those of us who game a lot, it's really, really hard. For me, it's been really difficult. Like, I couldn't go to a game night this weekend because just chaos and family and everything. And I don't know how many weeks or months it's going to be until I can again. But we we do have some alternatives, you know, I've we'll talk about those in a little bit there are some options out there we don't have to completely seclude ourselves thankfully yeah and let you know that we are here for you so if you'd like to have some more content some more contact please reach out to us boardgamersanonymous.com our facebook our twitter we are alive we are active we are here from you and you mean a great deal to us so please keep in contact with us so speaking of which anthony we did have some response from our question of the week we did yes i was uh compelled to write this this morning because i was actually in a text message chain with uh, my local game group and we were trying to figure out like which online service we were going to use to play games so board game arena tabletopia tabletop simulator there's all these different tools that allow you to play games online and you throw a skype in there and you might as well be in the same room right so i asked everybody hey we're compiling a list and i am compiling a list i'm actually writing an article about this for uh, boardgamersanonymous.com that Hopefully I can get up this week. But what I wanted to know is what are you relying on for your gaming fix if you're currently staying home? Which, as Chris said, please do. Hopefully you all are. Are you playing solo? Are you playing two-player games with your, you know, with your significant other or multiplayer games with your family? Are you playing online? Video games? Some people shifting over to video games. So lots of good answers here. Our buddy Dave immediately posted that. Uh, he just posted a link to a YouTube video of StarCraft 2. So I think I think we know what he's trying to say. And I've actually been tempted to get back into that just because I know I have time now. <laughs> I might as well give it a shot. Tommy describes solo playing Spirit Island, specifically progressing through all the spirits one at a time, then flipping them over for more difficult maps, then trying scenarios, then progressing through adversaries. Uh, bottom line, there's a ton of content in Spirit Island. So that's a really good one. Darren mentions taking the opportunity to teach his family some longer games, Power Grid and Dinosaur Island so far. Uh, both were hits, especially Power Grid. And he's looking forward to trying out Scythe tomorrow. Uh, Christopher mentions online gaming and Warhammer. Uh, his gaming groups are all self-quarantined, so he's just trying to, you know, get something done online. Uh, Pete says he's playing solo. Uh, got a few shorter games like Star Realms, Frontiers, Sylveon, as well as some longer ones like Root, Everdell, Teotihuacan. Uh, and then he's also referenced Board Game Arena. I should mention Board Game Arena actually crashed or came close to crashing uh, yesterday because everybody kind of surged on there. And I think we talked about this offline, but Steam hit like its all-time highest number of users at one time. So I don't think we're alone in trying to solve this problem. Everybody's out there trying to figure out a way to play online. 
And fortunately, there's a whole bunch of us, so it shouldn't be hard to find people to play with. Yeah, for me, it's kind of been some video gaming just because I have a limited collection of board games where I currently am. And I've been trying to learn some of these rules. And then I know by the time the quarantine kind of drops, I'm not going to remember the rules. So, <laughs> you know, I've I've kind of not wanted to get into solo gaming so much just because I like to have that first initial experience with my game group. But it might be something I have to do. I know you have a ton of experience with that. For me right now, it's been Steam. So I think the most recent thing that I've been playing has been uh, Slay the Spire. Oh, it's so good. Such a good game. Good (laughs) choice. And it's really addictive. Yes, (laughs) it's so addictive. (laughs) And I'm just like, oh, man, I got nothing to do. Oh, my God, 14 hours? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I have this on my Switch, and I think I have like 80 or 90 hours since it came out last fall. I just, when I'm like, I'm watching TV, I want to play a game. Slay the Spire. Slay the Spire. It's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty crazy. It's basically, I don't know, what'd you explain? Like kind of like a Hearthstone, but when you actually go through the bosses type of situation. Yeah, it's like a roguelike with deck building. And yeah. you you get like various abilities and upgrades and special potions you can use as you go along. And you're, of course, trying to go up this the progression and ultimately defeat these bosses. And because it's a roguelike, you're going to die over and over and over and over again, but hopefully you get better as you move along and learn what the cards are. And it's cool because there's different decks for different types of characters. So mm-hmm. you can play like the, the, you know, the thief style or just a straight warrior, like the magic user. So much content in here. It's so good. Yeah. And the other thing I've been looking at, I've, I've circled around Civ six for so many years. I can't uh. <laughs> to say it. And then I think it was Saturday afternoon. I sat down and watched a whole, kind of like intro to Civ Six, And it was like, this guy did a really good job and he was walking through each step of it. And he's like, oh, this will be like three videos. Six videos later. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I think we need to do another video. And I was like, I'm out. I just, I, I just could, I was just, I want to play it, but I just, I, it's just too much. I don't know. I mean, all those Civ games are a lot. I would say if you're if you've never played a Civ game and you want to get in and you're not sure if you want to or not, go with Civ Five because okay. you can you can get that for like five or ten dollars and then see if you like the formula or not. And hmm. there are those who would argue that the full package with all the expansions of Civ Five is the peak of Civilization. Oh, um, okay. Or they some people are not as huge a fan of Civ Six. I personally like it just fine with the expansions added on, but it's still somewhat pricey with all the extra stuff so um and this is from somebody who has all all the available sieves in my steam so i play all of them (laughs) all right so that's what our listeners are talking about if you'd like to join us please do facebook twitter boardgamersanonymous.com we are on patreon patreon.com slash bga i know many of you don't know this but we actually have a guild on board game geek so please get in there and, uh, you know, let's get some conversation going. Don't forget, there is also YouTube. So a lot of places to reach us if you'd like to get some more gaming goodness out there. And hopefully Anthony and I will have more written stuff and some more recordings for you as the weeks progress. But keep in touch. Let us know that you're safe and uh, take care.
All right, Anthony. So now on to our feature review. So our feature review this week is March Gamer Madness. We are talking about the best Kickstarters of all times, in particular, their campaigns. We already did round one. So if you haven't listened to that yet, please jump back because you're going to want to hear about all the craziness that we had to cut through to get to rounds two and three. So we have our four separate brackets here, and let's get started with our red bracket. Anthony, what's up for the first round? All righty, yes. Number one overall seed, Kingdom Death Monster, moved on against number eight seed at the bottom of this bracket, Street Fighter Miniatures Game. So we have the, again, biggest Kickstarter related to board games, tabletop, anything of all time, made over $12 million dollars versus Street Fighter Miniatures game, which made a surprising amount of money considering it is a licensed game from Jasco, which is not meant as a derogatory towards Jasco, but, you know, their stuff's been hit or miss in the past. So for me personally, I have, other than the miniatures for Street Fighter Miniatures game, I've never really looked at this one twice. Um, Honestly, I forgot about it until we put this list together, and I was like, oh yeah, I was looking at that. Kingdom Death Monster... Again, I mentioned this last time, is a game that I do own. I picked it up used. I do look forward to playing it. I've gone through the rulebook a little bit, and it's just fascinating to me how it kind of plays out. So for me, it's Kingdom Death Monster. That's a game I want to play. Kingdom Death Monster, obviously you mentioned the campaign in the last episode. So much insane content and so many little chits to kind of like manage Whereas Street Fighter is going to have these really super cool miniatures, but really kind of very basic, basic kind of gameplay. So let's be honest, we are a board game podcast and it does come down to the game. So Kingdom Death Monster moves on to the next round. All right, Anthony, what's up next? Number four, Gloomhaven versus number 12, Secret Hitler. This is a, I feel like this is putting like a a gorilla in the room with a puppy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Gloomhaven is... One of the most impactful, one of the best, and one of the greatest longevity of any Kickstarter game to date, honestly. Everybody I know owns this. Everybody I know has played this. Everybody I know likes this, whether or not they love it or not. Frosthaven's going to be a behemoth once that finally launches. Secret Hitler has also had a huge, huge impact, but the Hitler thing always rubbed me the wrong way. So I'm going to go with Gloomhaven for sure. I can't imagine why the Hitler thing rubbed you the wrong way. I know. Way. <laughs> I think I have to say that out loud. I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> Yeah, look, Secret Hitler is an okay game, but in the same realm as a lot of other okay social deduction games that you've seen before, the Kickstarter had obviously better production and obviously that hook of, hey, this is kind of really weird and uncomfortable, but Gloomhaven, the weird and uncomfortable comes from their massive box and the endless amounts of content that you may or may not ever get through. In fact, right now is a really good time to play Gloomhaven. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> uh, let me put a plug in because I'm actually writing an article right now of the 10 best games to play when you're sequestered in your house for three months. And Gloomhaven's on the list. So there you go. Well, it should be because, you know, three months maybe gets you through, what, a third of that campaign? 100%. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You know what? Gloomhaven, when it first came out, we talked about it on the podcast. You and Daniel were really hyped about it. And then it became a thing. And it became the thing. And that's why it's number one on Board Game Geek. So yeah, Gloomhaven moves on to the next round. All right. Next up, Anthony, what do we have? 
All right, number three, Nemesis from Awakened Realms, basically Alien, the board game. And then we have number 11, Ghostbusters, the board game. So we have an actual IP versus one that is very, very close to an actual IP. Um, Nemesis, however, is one of the top 30 games, I believe now, on BGG. Ghostbusters is a decent game, but again, it's just miniatures on a map running through some various scenarios. I I wouldn't say either of these games had a huge, huge impact on the hobby long term, but I think Nemesis is certainly on the rise. Ghostbusters, a lot of people have forgotten about uh, unless they you know backed it or had a copy themselves or a huge Ghostbusters fan. So I'm going to go with Nemesis. It's hard to say here. Nemesis is its own thing, even though it's kind of a ripoff of the Aliens kind of IP. Ghostbusters, the board game, did have a sequel expansion full box kind of thing on Kickstarter. And again, a ridiculous number of miniatures there. You know, both of them are IP based. The one that I remember that's still out there is actually, in fact, Ghostbusters, the board game. So, Anthony, that leaves it up to our listeners. Yeah, yeah, this was surprisingly close. And I think the reason why is that the shut up and sit down review of Nemesis dropped in the middle of our poll. So, like, the Nemesis votes, like, shot up on the second half. Um, Nemesis did eke it out with about 60% of the vote, though. All right, so Nemesis moves on to the next round. And finally, what do we have, Anthony? We have number two, Dark Souls, the board game, versus number 10, Dice Throne Adventures. Um, These are both interesting games. I've not played either of them personally, but have had certain experiences with them and have demoed both of them. So I'm... I know the games. I'm very familiar with the campaigns because I almost backed both of them. Dark Souls is just a very, very difficult board game that is made long and arduous almost on purpose. Dice Throne Adventures is a kind of a streamlined version of Dice Throne, which is a relatively simple but kind of interesting uh, take on uh, card games. For me, I'm going to go with Dark Souls, the board game, because this is the one I'm most interested in playing, even if I just can't get myself to buy it, even though I keep seeing it everywhere and it's not crazy expensive. Um, Dice Throne... It just seems familiar. A lot of other games are like that. So I'm going to go with Dark Souls. You know, for both these games, these are games that I probably would never pick up. I remember both of them on Kickstarter and going, wow, that looks really good. There's a lot of cool stuff there. Dark Souls obviously had a huge pedigree behind it. Dice Throne Adventures, eh, not so much, but, you know, it did have some amazing artwork. And really, it was the artwork that sold so many people into the game. You know what? If I had to play either one of these, and if I had to look back at the Kickstarter here, Dark Souls is going for clearance in some areas. I'm going to go with Dice Throne Adventures. All right, Anthony, that leaves us up to our listeners. What do they have to say? All right, listeners, love them some Dark Souls. Dark Souls moves on. All right, so Dark Souls moves on to the next round. All right, our next bracket is green. Anthony, what do you have up for us first? Number one, Exploding Kittens versus number eight, Dinosaur Island. Could not be any more different from each other. Not even sure where to start with this. Um, So we have the game that kind of kicked off the party game nonsense on Kickstarter, making millions of dollars versus the overblown medium weight Euro game. And I say overblown in the sense of so overproduced with so much extra stuff jammed into the box where it literally does not fit in the box. And this is kind of just how Kickstarter rolls now. Um, where we have medium weight games that cost a hundred bucks and come with way too much stuff. <laughs> I, 
I feel like in terms of impact, Exploding Kittens is still on top. In terms of games I actually like and want to play, Dinosaur Island comes out on top. So this is a very tough one. Uh, Dinosaur Island, for me personally, has had a bigger impact because of all those Euro games now that are overpriced. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go with Dinosaur Island, but it's pretty close. Yeah, Exploding Kittens made all the money in the world, but it basically made all the money in the world because of its you know web series. Whereas Dinosaur Island, because of the gameplay it came back again for, you know, expansions and expansions and expansions and expansions with more and more stuff and people were glad to pay it. So I'm going to go with Dinosaur Island, which means Dinosaur Island moves on to the next round. Anthony, what's up next? All right, next up, we got Cthulhu Wars at number 13. Uh, We had a big upset last week against Massive Darkness and then Bears versus Babies, which honestly is best known for its booth at various conventions. Uh, So... For me, I'm going to go with Cthulhu Wars. This is a game that just has immense presence, has shown what you can do on Kickstarter that you could never, ever, ever do off of Kickstarter. This game would not exist without Kickstarter. They've had three or four successful Kickstarters now, and this is one of those cult games that everybody wants to get a chance to play. It's difficult to find, decently expensive, but just has something about it. So I'm going to go with Cthulhu Wars. Yeah, I'm going to copy and paste my last argument. You know, Exploding Kittens, just like Bears versus Babies, is a situation with some really fun artwork and a following that goes along with it. It didn't really need Kickstarter, didn't really bring anything new to the campaign, but Cthulhu Wars could not have existed without the Kickstarter campaign. And shockingly, it's actually a really good game, if you like that kind of stuff. So Cthulhu Wars moves on to next round. Anthony, what's up next? All right, number three, Rising Sun, the second in the Eric Lang trilogy, and then Great Wall, which is a brand new one on Kickstarter that honestly just launched the Pledge Manager like three days ago because I just filled it out. Uh, It's got to be Rising Sun because this is the one I've actually played and very much enjoy and have all the extra stuff for. Um, It's not my favorite of Eric Lang's games, but it's very solid and is a good iteration on his formula of dudes on a map. I think for the Kickstarter campaign here, Rising Sun was something that I was really afraid to back because I did not want to get involved in a diplomacy game. And the campaign convinced me that those types of elements would not overwhelm the normal gameplay. Whereas Great Wall was something that was fantastic and looked beautiful and everything that goes along with it was not strong enough to uh, pull me along, unfortunately. So I'm going to go with Rising Sun, which means Rising Sun moves on to the next round. All right, Anthony, what's the last matchup for the green bracket? Number two, Zombicide. This includes all of the various Zombicide Kickstarters, of which there have been, I think, seven or eight. And then Root, uh, specifically the Underworld expansion, which uh, shot up the list with a huge, huge Kickstarter last year. Zombicide number two, of course, one of the biggest Kickstarters of all time across all of its various formats. Root is the game that introduced the world to asymmetrical war games because previously this was like coin games and things like vast that were just dense and difficult to get into if you weren't that type of gamer um i love root it is my game of the year from two years ago it's one of my top 50 games of all time it's in my top just i love this game but in terms of best kickstarters i feel like i have to go with zombicide because of how much it has done for better or worse uh for kickstarter campaigns and for just some of the crazy off-the-wall stuff we've gotten out of this series of games. Like, some of the expansions and content that I have for Black Plague and Green Horde is insane, and I love it. 
um, as much as I love Root, the zombie side stuff is just off the charts crazy, and uh, I'm going to give it to that. All right, both these games had a huge impact on Kickstarter, but I think that Zombicide was built upon their stolen, legally distinct IP. So whether it was Big Bang Theory or Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Terminator or any number of other kind of artistic recreations it could put in, that was one thing. But Root, which was, as you mentioned, had this really hard, heavy kind of asymmetrical gameplay and yet the character designs are still out there again and again. The expansions are out there and they're a lot more cute. So I'm going to go with Root. All right, Anthony, that leaves it up to our listeners. What do they have to say? All right. So I feel like our listeners have metagamed this uh, contest pretty well over the years. And they're not going by what they think is best. They go by what we think is best. And in this case, they went with Root, which I'm okay with because I love that game. <laughs> so. <laughs> You're just mad because they voted with me. <laughs> no, no, no. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> All right. Next up is our blue bracket. Anthony, what's our first matchup? Okay. This is a tough one. We've got number one, Seventh Continent, and number nine, Scythe. So Seventh Continent is up there. It's one of the biggest Kickstarters of all time. Tons of content. They've run it twice. Just this big, sprawling, epic storytelling adventure of a game that you could get at a relatively affordable price considering how many hundreds of cards came in the box. And then you had Scythe, which when it came out was the single biggest board game Kickstarter, like not pure miniature game of all time, which we we covered extensively. This game has gone on to sell hundreds of thousands of copies. It kind of defines the medium weight Euro, I think, um, for a lot of people. And just is one of those games that it just sits at the top of a pantheon of other Kickstarter Euros. So for me, it's got to be Scythe, even though that game has kind of fallen off a little bit for me over the years, uh, just because of how much impact it's had, how much I was excited for it. I was the number two or number three backer on the, on the Kickstarter for this because I clicked it so fast. Um, so it, I got to put this at the top. Yeah, it's really hard. You know, Seventh Continent, because of its solo features, and as you mentioned, Anthony, because there was so much content in the box and so much possibility, really had a well-deserved spot in the Kickstarter Hall of Fame. But Scythe did something very different, which was it proved that you could have an original gameplay and somewhat original artwork and have a Euro Amerithrash game kind of mashed together. And the world would just clamor for it. I think it was $1.8 million at the time and endless numbers of expansions. It's really what made Kickstarter great. And no one did Kickstarter better than Jamie Stegmeyer. So Scythe moves on to the next round. All right, Anthony, what's up next? All right, number four, Trial by Trolley versus number five, Here to Slay. I'm going to be 100% honest. I have no horse in this race at all. So... I'm going to go with the game I actually played, which was clever. It was fun. It's a little morbid, but I appreciate what it's doing. And that's trial by trolley, especially because we get the nice uh, good place reference. And I don't know that the here to slay has a good place reference. <laughs> well, as you mentioned, both of these are wacky, fun games based upon previous artistical kind of IPs, originals, and both are fun. Here to Slay has a little more gameplay. It's based on the Unstable Unicorn universe, if that's a thing, or I just said it because it sounded like a thing. 
I'm going to go with here to slay. I, I think that they took it a step beyond and then they actually brought out a game that actually was a game. And we're looking at games here. So Anthony, that leaves up to our listeners. What do they have to say? All right. I think uh, recency bias pulls off on this one. So trial by trolley by a little bit. We talked about both these games, but I think it was like two weeks apart. So trial by <laughs> trolley got the win. All right. Trial by trolley moves on to the next round. Next up, Anthony, what do you have? We got number three, Return to Dark Tower. And we had number 11, Sentinels of the Multiverse, Oblivion. Uh, so Return to Dark Tower, of course, bringing back one of the all-time great electronic games from the 1980s, the one everybody waited for. Sentinels of the Multiverse, Oblivion, closing out almost a decade of content and storytelling in the Sentinels of the Multiverse series. <sighs> this is a tough one for me. I invested interest in either of these games. I did not back Return to Dark Tower. It was way too expensive. And Sentinels of the Multiverse is just never a game that quite clicked with me. I'm going to go with Sentinels, though, on this case, because it's an epic story. It's one of those things in board games you just don't see. It's almost like a, a, a Marvel Universe type of thing, where it's just like a big arc of different games and content and stories that closed out in this big epic Kickstarter that admittedly wasn't the best version of that game. But when they closed it, they just had everything there. Um, Return to Dark Tower is so recent. We still don't know if that's going to turn out to be a good game or not. And it's so expensive. So Sentinels of the Ver Multiverse Oblivion for me. For me, the difference here, and I do have a horse in both these races. I love both of these games. And there's obviously a good amount of nostalgia for Return to Dark Tower. But Return to Dark Tower is going to come out to retail with no differences than the Kickstarter. Whereas Sentinels of the Multiverse really did need the Kickstarter to be a thing. And in fact, as the Kickstarter went out with its multiple expansions over the years, the quality got better, the story got better, the gameplay got better. I have the early version of Sentinels of the Multiverse, and I could attest to the poor quality of the components. But in the end, it came together to be a great game. And as you said, as a Marvel Cinematic Universe type of situation, they did something which I don't think anyone's done up to this point. So, yeah, Sentinels of the Multiverse moves on to the next round. All right, Anthony, the last matchup for our blue bracket. All right, we got number two, Etherfields. Another big, huge, monstrous, crazy-looking miniatures game with tons of stuff in it that uh, nobody's played yet because it's barely reached the market. And then Arcadia Quest. Now, Arcadia Quest is a number 10 seed because none of its individual Kickstarters made that much money, but it does have like five of them. <laughs> and it is one of those games that very, very early, because this is one of the first, first, first Kickstarters from Simon, cemented that they could produce just high quality content. And at the time, it was kind of a new thing. I have all these exclusives and just rare content. And now you find stuff like the Guildmaster box for four or $500 on eBay. I'm not saying that's a good thing, but they certainly set the tone for it. And the fact that I own all of the Arcadia Quest content, except for that first Kickstarter exclusives, um, I'm going to have to go with Arcadia Quest. Maybe it's just, you know, confirming my own sp spending, but uh, Arcadia Quest, it has to be. Yeah, Arcadia Quest early on for CMON was one of those games that were the chibi miniatures going to do it for you know, hardcore gamers and yeah, hardcore gamers may be a little bit of a step too far, but gamers nonetheless, you know, was it going to be something more than the standard kind of entry level gameplay? And if not for Arcadia Quest, you don't get Starcadia Quest. You don't get Marvel United. Arcadia Quest is probably 
and I and I'm I'm gonna say it's probably the best thing that's been out there for that whole series. I mean, Starcadia Quest is still about to hit, and so is Marvel United, give or take a couple of years. So yeah, Arcadia Quest moves on to the next round. All right, Anthony. So let's take it on to the yellow bracket. What do you have up first? First up, we got Painted Grail, The Fall of Avalon. And then we have number nine, Suburbia, Collector's Edition. So Tainted Grail was a huge, massive success. It takes kind of a dark spin on the Arthurian legends. Um, I love Arthurian legend. I studied it in college. I've been reading these since I was like nine years old. Just it's for whatever reason, it just fascinates me as a collection of literature. And then Suburbia, which is one of my top 10 games of all time. So it's a difficult one because I think... I really wish I had had the money and the ability to invest in Tainted Grail. I still want to play that. I hope somebody, once we're out of quarantine, is <laughs> has a copy and we can play it. Suburbia, though, I do own. I'm happy to have paid what I did for it. I love this game. It's one of my favorite all time. So I'm going to go with Suburbia Collector's Edition. Yeah, I studied Arthurian Legend in school. I have the original books that make up pretty much what the public understands is Arthurian legend and love it so much and tainted grail the fall of avalon was something that let me be honest never really pulled me in completely it looked like an a good game uh, but it just i can't explain why the campaign just didn't do what it needed to do to pull me in because i'm their number one target for this now suburbia collector's edition i have the original edition i didn't back the collector's edition because i had all the content for the original one but even to this day, I'm regretting not backing the Collector's Edition just for a few of those bells and whistles. So, yeah, Suburbia Collector's Edition moves on to the next round. All right, Anthony, what's up next? Number four, Conan versus number five, Fireball Island. Uh, of these two, I do own Fireball Island. I bought it to play with the kids. They, I will admit, are not impressed. So, like, <laughs> wow. It's, it's it's funny when small children are able to point out the foibles of nostalgia, but that's exactly what happened. The kids are like, this game's not very good compared. To... And it wasn't even like, we don't like this. It was, I'd rather play this, 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 or this kind of a thing. Right. And I'm like, okay, newer games are better. Got it. Conan was just that rare beast of a game where I'm like, wow, one versus many done. Well, I love this. The dashboard system is fantastic. Um, we did knock out Batman Gotham city chronicles last time but this is the game that invented that and i loved it it's fantastic it's not nearly as complicated either as batman so i'm gonna go with conan even though it's not the game i own of these two um for various reasons yep both games are a bunch of plastic and typically in the best way possible but conan surprised me whereas fireball island did not Conan is actually a pretty solid game across the board. And again, if not for Conan, we probably wouldn't have the uh, Batman version of it. So yeah, Conan moves on to the next round. All right, next up, Anthony, what do you have? Number 14, Marvel United versus number 11, Trudvon Chronicles. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know at all. Um, I did back Marvel United against all of my uh, better urges. And I will tell you that your heckling over the course of a month caused heckling, heckling <laughs> yes heckling and baiting oh and peer pressure wow caused multiple people to give me grief about this my That's friends great. my family various people <laughs> on the internet i got a message on facebook through the page it was like hey man you gave in i'm like come on it's, it's <laughs> 
Um, I'm going to go with Trudvang just because of that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Anthony, guess what? <laughs> Marvel United could win this whole bracket because I'm going Marvel United, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course you are. Hey, listeners, Marvel United is up against Trudvang. Who wins? Marvel by a mile. You knew that. <laughs> Nicely done, listeners. Nicely done. <laughs> they just want to hear more trolling. That's all. That's all. I don't think I've ever gotten as much feedback on anything I've ever done in the board game hobby than when I backed that game. <laughs> I just, it's like the whole universe is like, oh, you did what? <laughs> so... <laughs> all right, Anthony, the last matchup for our yellow bracket. What do you have? Number 15, Brass, versus number 10, A Song of Ice and Fire Miniatures game. We talked about both of these last week and why they won their respective matchups. I think for me, it's got to be Brass for the same reason as last week, is that this game showed what you can do to fix an ugly old Euro. Not just making it look nice, but improving the rules, introducing new mechanics that just tweak things a little bit. Not completely overhauling it, but just like small adjustments. Um, Brass Birmingham is now one of the top five games of all time on BGG for that reason. Ice and Fire is a great miniatures game, but it's a miniatures game. It's very expensive. It's not very accessible. Not very many people have it. Finding uh, group play for this is almost impossible, especially now. So Brass it is for me. Yeah, Song of Ice and Fire, the miniatures game, practically bankrupt Simon. Whereas Brass was a game that was forgotten. And because of this campaign, because of the great artwork, the tweak in the design, the rules, and especially the iron clays, this game has become a phenomenon. And it was something I didn't even back because I played it and I was like, eh, it's fine. And it turns out to be yet another campaign that I sorely regret not backing. So yes, Brass moves on to the next round. All right, Anthony, that brings us way back up to round three in our March Madness brackets for Kickstarter. Let's bring it back all the way up to our red bracket for our next matchup. All right, this is when things get hard. Um, Kingdom Death Monster, number one, versus Gloomhaven, number four. So we've talked about Kingdom Death Monster in the terms of how much money it made, the people who are most rabbit about the game the lines at the conventions but i don't think we ever talked about it as like the best game right gloomhaven is the best game on bgg according to tens of thousands of gamers for me personally it's in my top 30 it was my favorite game of the year it came out i am actually very excited to pull it down when i get a little bit of time here in a week or two uh, and catch up with this uh, quarantine situation and i'm going to play it more solo so for me, it's Gloomhaven. Honestly, when I put the list together, I was surprised it was all the way down at a four seed. And I think this kind of uh, plays that out because it's just such a good representation of what Kickstarter is. One guy making this massive production of a game that now just dominates the hobby. Yes. And that being said, there's probably never been a campaign that's been as big as Gloomhaven with maybe the one exception, which would have been Kingdom Death Monster. But again, what's really interesting and unique about that, and the reason why it's the number one seed 
was because here was a game that went all out. It was a game that was strange and different and odd and horrifying and beautiful at the same time, both in the artwork and the miniatures. The gameplay was a civilization game. It wasn't a tactical miniatures game so much as it was you were building up a society and playing multiple roles in that story. Both games deserve to be here. I'm going to go with Kingdom Death Monster because, again, I don't think this game would have existed if not for Kickstarter. All right, Anthony, that leaves it to our listeners. What do they have to say? All right. This is very interesting uh, because every year uh, with Jason over at Every Night is Game Night, we would do the top 100 solo games. And frequently, Kingdom Death Monster would be very high on the list because a lot of people would rank it number one, but be far less people who voted for every other game because it's a small, extremely loyal group of gamers. So these games were very close to each other in terms of the voting. Gloomhaven did get more votes, but I feel like the people who love Kingdom Death Monster, it could kind of jumping ahead, looking at the rest of the bracket, they had it going all the way. So um, Gloomhaven, again, got just a few more votes. I think more people have played it, but Kingdom Death Monster, for those who love it, this is the reason I really want to play this game. It's just the best of the best. All right, so Gloomhaven moves on to the next round. All right, Anthony, what's up for our last matchup on this bracket? All right, we've got Nemesis at number three from Awakened Realms versus Dark Souls, the board game at number two from Steamforged. Both of these games I mentioned before are games that I'm very interested in playing, and they have kind of a unique twist on the miniatures on the map. Um, For me, Nemesis and its systems seem a little more engaging and... uh, possibly have more depth than Dark Souls in a little bit tighter time frame. So I'm going to go with Nemesis on this one. Yeah, I'm going to go with Dark Souls, the board game. I'm going to go the opposite here just because they were able to produce a game as monstrously painful as the video game. So Anthony, that leaves us to our listeners. What do they have to say? All right, Dark Souls. That one actually hit retail, I think, and a lot of people got a chance to play it. Um, from By all accounts, very good game. So uh, yeah, that one wins out with the listeners. All right, so Dark Souls moves on to the final round. Anthony, let's get on to our green bracket. What do we have up first? Oh, this is a fun one. Uh, Number eight, Dinosaur Island versus number 13, Cthulhu Wars. So we have giant earth beasts versus giant uh, Lovecraftian beasts. Um, For me, it's got to be Dinosaur Island. Like I said, this is just like the introduction of all the bling to the Euros, Cthulhu Wars while a very good game is a little more niche and uh, you just don't see it as many places or getting played as often. So Dinosaur Island for me. That's kind of funny. I I like to see actually the miniatures fight that out, like the hundreds (laughs) of dinosaur plastic plastic miniatures and the giant Cthulhu miniatures fighting it out. I, I just, I just, I want to see Cthulhu fight a whole bunch of like pink raptors. I'm just, it, it just needs to happen in the meantime. Dinosaur Island was the crazier of the ideas to put on Kickstarter, especially going all out late 80s, early 90s, even with the slap bracelet. Where Cthulhu Wars, while it did have these gigantic, ridiculous miniatures, it did have a solid IP that people were going to follow. So I'm going to go with Dinosaur Island here. Just did a lot more for the campaign. And that means Dinosaur Island moves on to the next round. Anthony, what's up left for our green bracket? Number three, Rising Sun versus number 10, Root. These are both games I own that I love from designers that I absolutely love. Uh, For me, Rising Sun is an iteration on other Eric Lane games. It's not his best, 
Um, it's better than the games that it was up against previously, but Root is just a better game, a better representation of what Kickstarter can do and how it can amplify a game into the general board gaming consciousness. So for me, it's got to be Root. It's hard to say here because Rising Sun is kind of what Kickstarter has become, whereas it's all about the miniatures being wondrous and grotesque and beautiful and worthy of painting and a great gameplay and a fantastic design here from Eric Lang. And yet, you know what? It's got to be Root. I mean, you're talking about gameplay that no one would ever touch, and they put it in a campaign and they put ridiculously cutesy little miniatures in there and people ate it up. And I just, I don't know how or why, and they did it. So, I mean, credit all around here. So, yeah. So, Root moves on to the next round. <laughs> all right. Next up is our blue bracket. Anthony, what's up first? All right. We've got number nine, Scythe, running down number four, like a trolley. It's trial by trolley. Obviously, Scythe is, it's just Scythe. Sorry, guys. <laughs> if you love Trial by Charlie, I'm sorry, it's Scythe. <laughs> I think even Cyanide and Happiness would understand this. <laughs> so, yes, Scythe moves on to next round. All right, Anthony, what's the last matchup for our blue bracket? Sentinels of the Multiverse Oblivion at number 11 versus number 10 Arcadia Quest. We talked about all the reasons Arcadia Quest is kind of a sleeper in this bracket. It was very early Kickstarter back in 2014. It didn't make the the buckets of money that some of these other ones did, but it's had a lasting impact. It kind of represents what Simon um, has become kind of aside from the zombicide craze and Sentinels of the Multiverse, while kind of representative of what you can do with Kickstarter and storytelling and board games has had its issues. And this is kind of the one final piece. So I'm going to go with Arcadia quest. It's a really hard decision to make here. As you mentioned, Anthony, both of these would not have existed. Both of these did fantastic, multiple expansions. But I guess when it comes down to a campaign that you can trust, Arcadia Quest's product was always solid throughout the way, whereas Sentinels of the Multiverse had some really flimsy and some problematic campaigns. So yeah, Arcadia Quest moves on to the next round. All right, Anthony, that leaves our yellow bracket. What's the first matchup? Number nine, Suburbia Collector's Edition versus number four, Conan. For all the same reasons I said before with Conan and the sheer amount of money it got me to spend on Batman, um, despite the fact I also backed Suburbia, I'm going to go with Conan. Suburbia already existed. Most of the content in it already existed. I had a lot of that content. Conan is a unique, brand new spin on an IP that we've all known and loved, but just hadn't been around for very long. So I'm going to go with Conan. Yeah, Conan could have easily, and I and I assumed from just the looks of, of it that it would just been a very simple tacticals miniatures game with the Conan theme thrown on it. But the way in which the game plays stood out and what we're looking at here is best Kickstarter campaigns. And as you mentioned, Suburbia was already out, didn't need the massive box here. In fact, a lot of people have complained it's so massive that they can't get it out to game night. So it might have been an overestimation in some parts, but I I, I still want it. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to go with uh, Conan, and uh, Conan's going to move on to the next round. All right, Anthony. Finally, hey, Anthony, guess what's up? You better vote for Brass. You just, <laughs> come on. It's Marvel United versus Brass, and it's obviously Brass, so just say Brass. <laughs> Brass. Yay! <laughs> Are you happy now? 
Yes, thank you. I need it to be gone. Uh, I need that game to be out of my memory for a few months. A few months. They'll come in. I'll paint them. I'll forget. It's all good. But OCD here. All right. So that's everything for our March Gamer Madness Kickstarter campaign edition. We will come back next week and wrap all of this up so you'll be able to hear which games actually get up to the top, what the final rounds are, rounds four through six, and we will crown our champion. So stick with us. It just gets better and better as time goes on. All right, until next time, this is Chris. Hey, and this is Anthony. And we'll save you a seat at the table. <laughs>